Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, it's your hey, it's Griffin McElroy. <laughs> Forgot which one it was, didn't I? This is wonderful. Yeah, it sure is. I forgot which intro it was, though, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say you're Rachel's husband, Griffin. I'm the youngest husband Rachel's ever had, which is exciting for me. She's married some real old men, huh? Who was your first very old husband that you had? Do you remember him? He was 200. I got choked up because of how jealous I got. But your 200-year-old husband, he uh, was cool. And his name was? Um, gosh, what was it? It was uh, Pefferson. Yeah. First name, Pefferson. Pefferson, yeah. I called him Pef. Yeah. Um, And then his last name was Julian. Do you remember the time you married an old mummy? That they found mm-hmm. in Egypt, and it was a, it was you know a good three thousand years old, mm-hmm. and his name was King Burger King, is what it loosely translates to. <laughs> I'm glad that you picked me. I'm glad you ended up with me. I know I'm not. I don't usually bring that sort My of my youngest that husband aged flavor that you prefer, but this is wonderful. It's a podcast where we talk about things that we are really into, things that we very much like, things that we're enthusiastic about. That paid us to talk about them. I mean, oh no. Oh no. Oh man. Yeah. Shoot. The cat's out of the freaking bag, I pumpernickel, guess. Pumpernickel, the big, big pumpernickel. Big comfy is dropping big stacks on. Came to me and said, hey, we know that rye bread has been courting you, <laughs> but we're willing to offer you double. So do you have any small wonders now that we've sort of uh, revealed ourselves to be, you know, Scammers. Double mint gum. Double mint gum. Twice the freshness. Impossible. No, I've I'm never kidding. seen you eat this green gum. Oh, you're I'm a- kidding. I was oh, pretending. What about our fans at home that love double mint and they're like, fuck yeah, finally. I, I was pretending that we had sponsors. Oh, I see. Were. Because double mint is really dropping stacks. <laughs> I think everybody knows about the double mint product at this mm-hmm. point. They kind of went hard in the paint in the 90s with mm-hmm. all of their twin commercials. But then Mintos really ate their game up, I think, mm-hmm. with their similarly toned commercials. Hey, do you have a real thing, though, for for number onesies? Uh, for number onesies, uh, I would have to say Top Chef. Top Chef is a really nice show. Yeah. It's maybe the best cooking competition there is. That is not a difficult sort of bar I mean, to clear. I mean, there's a fair number of competitors. Sure. I mean, there's Master Chef, which kind of... St- Stinks now. I mean, we watched a lot of it, but it's not so good now. And then there's, you know, the taste. Long live mm-hmm. the taste. One season, not and now. To be now. fair, oh, great British, British, great British baking. Great <laughs> yeah, British. I, I was just gonna say, bitty bitty baking is probably even better. <laughs> I that's like that's that's not even comparable. That's like a, it's a different category. Yeah, uh, I would say. Uh, and this is going to be a repeat, but I feel very very. Very enthusiastic about this. If we're talking about things we're enthusiastic about, uh, I made Rachel watch it and she lost her mind. There was a speed run last week during AGDQ of Sonic the Hedgehog 1. Yeah, unintentionally teased it. Uh, run by, oh, did you? Uh, well, I remember I requested oh, that yeah. you let me know when the Sonic run happened. It was run by a dude, I think his name was Dr. Fatbody or something like that. Uh, and he just showcased his run with a, a level of excitement and he had like this whole crew on the couch behind him that was like, they were obviously like a really tight knit group of Sonic the Hedgehog runners. And the whole run was so chock full of what I would like to call just like Sega energy. It was just full <laughs> of, I think big dick energy is like, so 2018, we gotta leave that behind. In 2019, is all about raw Sega energy. Mm-hmm. He was pulsating with raw Sega energy and he, it was the most fucking like exciting, funniest, like best run uh of of the year for me it was Uh, very good and so many shout outs uh that left us all wondering kind of what this universe is that he exists in. it's a beautiful universe i would love to exist in basically every time you beat a stage like he had a good like 10 seconds there to like give some shout outs to thank his mentors it was so incredible it was so 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 good even if you don't like stuff like this i i cannot it's 20 minutes and also the the glitches they show off in sonic are like absolutely disgusting uh it is hands down my favorite run of the year um and there's a lot of competition for that i go first this week okay my first thing both of mine are kind of themed my first one is trying on a new style 
or perhaps trying out a new style. Trying on makes it sound like I love to go to, you know, the Je Crew. And while I'm at Je Crew, I like to actually go in the dressing room and put on clothes. That's false. I hate that part. (laughs) I don't like that part very much because uh, it has been difficult to find clothes that fit my bod in the past. And that's always frustrating. But also the lighting that they use in dressing rooms makes me look I feel like so terrible mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I, I I reach a point where I've just tried on these clothes and none of them fit and then I put on the old clothes that I wore in there and I realize I look so raggedy mm-hmm. just like with my old clothes and my my skin that has become nightmarish in the glaring uh, fluorescent lights that they hang so, so bright tell me above what you like Griffin I like trying out new styles by which I mean I've got the clothes and I'm like Oh, I don't normally wear stuff like this. Let's give it a shot. And you give it a shot and you like it. That's the thing I like. That's the thing I like. I need like a concrete example. Let here. me give you a concrete example okay. here. I, uh, the the Facebook thing, the uh, how hard did aging hit you challenge. Yes, yes, Which yes. by the way, I made the point to Rachel, like you can just post like I got more attractive or I used to be more attractive. Like <laughs> it's fine. I'll take your word for it. Like for me, I got more attractive, but that's because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Basically up to the point where I met my wife, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at that and it made me sort of go through my old profile pics and just sort of reflect on some of my choices. Yes. Reflect on some of my decisions. And Your choices, can I summarize? Uh, yeah, sure. Your choices reflected that you did not think you were an especially attractive man. Mm, mm, and mm. I feel like as you have gotten older, you have kind of embraced, hey. I can, I can, yeah. I could pull this off. This guy fucks, for sure. <laughs> I don't think you can say that about yourself. <laughs> Going through it like... I, in hindsight, I look back and it's like, I did not post in this challenge partially because I <laughs> I am not a big social media guy anymore, but also because like uh, there wasn't a picture of me that I felt <laughs> gr- like even okay about. And in hindsight, right, looking back, like it's really easy to, to knock yourself for the choices you made. But I think back to when I was like in middle school. And like my entire childhood, like mom bought all of our clothes. She was a mother of three very rambunctious <laughs> young young gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, most of the clothes came from like consignment shops and stuff like that. So like I did not have a say in the matter. And when I finally did start to have like a say in the matter, my like first thing that I remember really liking was like Hawaiian shirts. And I started to wear Hawaiian shirts because I was, you know, sexually non-threatening. And I... <laughs> just i felt good i like felt good about this style i finally had like a nice style well, and and remind me what that time period was and this would have been like was uh, it like 2003 i would have been like it, it, no around 2000 around around the turn of the millennium is when i started okay. to started to get yeah i mean that going. the thrifty look was more popular back then for sure yeah and you know my mom had was like way ahead of the curve on that yeah. with all of our consignment pickups uh, and then after that, it was like, I remember trying on a bowling shirt, like a polyester bowling shirt. And I was like, this is great on me. And so I bought a few of them. And then like, that was my style. And I, re- I got really excited about that. And then it was like, you know, checkered button downs. And then, uh, you know, I went through a few, I went through a few different phases. And like I mean, this, you're still a checkered button down guy. Less so these days. Maybe I, I, I mess with a flannel, but like, I do not wear that many checkered button downs anymore. Recently, I've been kind of a t-shirt guy. I've been more into t- t-shirts and layering the t-shirt with a thing. Um, I like a stri- I like long sleeve non-button downs, which I didn't used to have that many of, and now I have a lot of, and they excite me. So I still need, I need like a concrete So what I'm saying is every time I found one of these new styles, it was really like, it was really exciting for me that I had found like this new thing that maybe I didn't think or didn't even think of or specifically thought I could not pull off. And then you try it out and you're like, not only can I pull this off, like this could be a a part of the rotation. I don't really know how to categorize. I don't know how a person categorizes style. It seems like wild to me to think that a person could be like, I wear rustic clothes i wear just flannel and corduroy and that's everything i own like i can't i don't think that my like closet is that i don't think anybody's closet is that like specific um but the idea of like finding a new sort of style that you didn't think you could pull off and then trying it out and realizing like oh i can do this uh back in college my senior year of college all the way through college um basically for about a decade i didn't actually get my hair cut i just got it thinned out from a place in huntington called happy hair boutique uh that again our mom took us to um (laughs) A lot of uh, there's a running narrative through this through this wonderful topic. 
Uh, and so it just got really poofy. I had these long, skinny sideburns that were pretty bad. Uh, and I just, yeah, I just didn't really think that much of, of myself and then, um, made like this new big group of friends, my senior year of college, one of whom was a hairstylist. She was like, do you want me to cut your hair? I was like, yeah, I guess. And I was scared. Then I got it done. I was like, oh, this is the haircut that I will have for the rest of my life. Like that was a really exciting thing for me. I just think the idea of like transforming yourself in this very accessible way that isn't like isn't necessarily obvious travis uh a couple of years ago got me like a or last year got me a jean jacket and i was like i'm not a fucking jean jacket guy no i wear that jean jacket all the time because i like how i look <laughs> at a jean jacket that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about like it's a way of it's a way of like it's kind of like eating a new food that you thought you didn't like and then you end up really liking it and yeah. you're excited because you know you're gonna eat that food a lot yeah. there's there's something to that for me with fashion this and, reminds me of of when you brought one week you're like finding your new favorite new song. favorite restaurant new favorite song yeah, yeah i think that's a big thing for me just sort of in general but with fashion and what's cool about fashion is that it is i am going to like eating chicken pot pie for the rest of my life mm-hmm. i may not like wearing jean jacket like i move i do move a lot another thing that is bringing this up is uh this past weekend i Marie Kondo the fuck out of my like wardrobe. Oh gosh, can I make a recommendation? Yo, okay, yeah. the show is good. Yeah. Let's say you're with a partner who you feel like has a lot of stuff they're holding on to that yeah. they aren't using in their daily life. Sit them down, watch Marie Kondo with them, mm. and it will maybe give them the motivation they need to explore some of their uh, their less used items. Yes, I certainly had a lot of very old clothing. I yeah. certainly had some Halloween costumes in there that I was <laughs> never going to wear again. Um, I've dropped a few LBs in the last year. And so like there was just some stuff that just straight up didn't fit that I have not worn in yeah. about a year. And so I just like threw all that shit out. But in doing so, I went through and was like looking like Rachel was right. Like I did almost exclusively wear, you know, a uh, checker pattern, long sleeve, button up shirts. And that was pretty much it. And yeah. that, and I threw pretty much all of those, not away, we donated them. But um, yeah, I think that's why I sort of got like nostalgic about this exact topic. Also, because everybody is posting their old fashions. And folks, let me just say, unless one of the two pictures is completely busted, <laughs> you're just showing off at that point. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do it because I could, I have a lot, a big selection of busted bowling shirt, long pervert <laughs> sideburn picks to pick from. Um, yeah. That's my first topic is trying out a new style. Congratulations, Griffin. I'm happy that you're expanding your, your horizons. I feel like, you know, you're worth it. Thank you. It's my midlife crisis. 62 is all I'm planning to get to. What's your first thing? <laughs> my first thing is the long-awaited return to the Poetry Corner. Hey, oh my God. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a it? hundred years. I I've, maybe since our live show. I've been crawling in the desert, dying of poetry thirst. <laughs> Drip one into my mouth. Drip a poem, pour a poem freshly wrung from the oasis directly into my mouth. I I feel like we're done now with the segment. I feel like that was a poem. That's right. You just closed out the poetry corner. Wow. So play the home improvement thing and we'll, we'll move on. I should, what if there was a, I could make a home improvement remix that was sort of like kind of fresh, like kind of like poetry, kind of poetry, like jazzy. Snaps. Yeah. yeah. I won't be doing that, but what's a poem? I'm so glad that you've mentioned jazzy. Oh, okay. Because our next poet is from DJ Jazzy Jeff is a big jazz enthusiast. Okay. And his name is Robert Pinsky. Robert Pinsky, I know that name. He was the Poet Laureate from 1997 to 2000. That's almost certainly not how I know his name. (laughs) He was also in an episode of The Simpsons. Maybe that's it. There's an episode where Lisa goes to college and she goes to a poetry reading that Robert Pinsky is reading at. I may be thinking of Salute Your Shorts. I think there was a character named Pinsky. Yes, that too. (laughs) Wasn't he like the cool kid that came in in like season three? Yeah, he he was. He like had a sausage. I remember his intro episode, he like had a sausage that he was like really excited about. Like a big summer sausage. Yeah. It was a weird show. But this is a different guy, huh? Uh, Yeah, it is. Turns out. All right. (laughs) Uh, So he has written 19 books, most of which are poetry. Uh, And he is a former saxophonist that uh, says that being a musician was profoundly influential 
in uh, his interest in poetry. That makes, I mean, it makes so much sense that it's almost obvious. Like the two are so, I feel like in, in inextricably linked. Exactly. Yeah. And I read an interview with him. Uh, where he talks a lot about musicality and why that's, you know, a really inspiring part of poetry for him. Um, Part of being Poet Laureate, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, I read an interview where he said there's actually no, you know, explicit requirements of the job. Uh, But he really kind of leveraged that opportunity to really expand kind of the reach of poetry. So he created an online course called The Art of Poetry, which is available to the public and has been since 2014. Just for free? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So he is a professor at at, uh, Boston University. And so he used that platform to kind of share the course. But each little lecture part of it is only like two to five minutes long. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so you can really kind of parcel out like, you know, little pieces of interest depending on where you are. Uh, the course, and if you read the course description, it says uh, the course has the underlying principle that the more you know about an art, the more pleasure you will find in it. Uh, and so you can find all these videos uh, if you search for the art of poetry. So what are you, which, which of his, his poems? I'll get there. I just want, I haven't had a poem in fucking six <laughs> months. I'm dying. I also want to talk about this other great thing he did when he was poet laureate, which was he started the favorite poem project, which is favoritepoem.org. Uh, thousands of Americans from varying backgrounds had the opportunity from every state to share their favorite poems. Mm. So more than 18,000 people responded and they selected 50 people to read and talk about their favorite poem, uh, which I just think is really cool. You know, I think there's this sense that poetry is not like a living, breathing thing in our in our daily life. Yeah. And he has this idea that poetry should be as popular and as recognized as music, as yeah. something that people are interested in. That's a really good point, because mm-hmm. I know what my favorite song is. I'm for the life of me. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what my favorite poem is. Do you know what your favorite poem is? Oh, Jizo. There's a Anne Sexton poem I really like. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it, it'll get its time in the poetry corner. We yeah. don't want yeah. to cheat on Pinsky. Yeah, uh, I'm saving it. So I'm this saving myself for Sexton. <laughs> So this is uh, something he says about poetry in an interview he did in 2013 with Butler University. So in the interview, they're asking him kind of what people, librarians, instructors can do to make poetry more accessible and more available to people. And so he's giving some suggestions, but then ultimately he says, art takes care of itself. Its appeal is endless, like the appeal of cuisine beyond nutrition, lovemaking beyond copulation, dance beyond locomotion. Poetry meets a fundamental craving, the mind meeting the body in the sound of words. I just want to apologize, but the the word copulation really puts really... It's a beautiful quote. It's a beautiful quote, and I think it's wonderful. It's just kidding. I know he's a poet and the whole thing is like finding pretty different words, but like copulation really gets my goose flesh going. So let me read you the poem you've been waiting for. Yes. And this isn't the entire poem. I just want to showcase kind of the musicality of what he does in his poetry. Yes, please. What's the, what is the poem called? The poem is appropriately called Rhyme. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying if you, were, if you write a song and it was called like music. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the poem. And this is just the first two stanzas. You can find the whole poem if you search for Rhyme by Robert Pinsky on the internet. Air, an instrument of the tongue, the tongue, an instrument of the body, the body, an instrument of spirit, the spirit, a being of the air, a bird, the medium of its song, a song, a world, a containment like a hotel room, ready for us guests who inherit our compartment of time there. That's so good. It's real jazzy, isn't it? It is. The way it kind of like bounces from one thing to the next and kind of threads the previous idea through into the next thing. It feels very kind of improvisational. Yeah, it took me a bit. I was like wondering like, all right, where's this going? Mm -hmm. And then it, it, it was all sort of all part of the whole thing. Yeah. So I, I guess the reason I kind of talked about what he did as poet laureate and kind of what he does with his poetry is, is, you get kind of a unique opportunity with poet laureates where you kind of get to see what they do with the title. 
and also kind of appreciate their work and why it was, you know, selected. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I think almost even more than him as a poet, I like what he tried to do to kind of broaden the interest of poetry in our country. Yeah, that's really uh, cool. And there's like tangible resources he created uh, that are now accessible to everybody. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't required to do any of that. So I just feel like it speaks to his real like genuine enthusiasm and desire to like see poetry continue and, and grow. So you can get named Poet Laureate and then just kind of like chill. You can get named Poet Laureate and be like, cool, I'm going to go work at Home Depot now and never write another poem. And they're <laughs> like, ah, shoot, he's still Poet Laureate. I mean, you probably get... Re- asked to do various things but there's no like you know job description mm. that requires you who picks to it? lift 20 pounds who picks it uh i mean it comes out of the president's office huh okay yeah. uh hey can i steal you away Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, There's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible wow yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain do you want some personal messages how personal are we talking I don't know who this character is who's got his butt hanging out. Oh, and the butt man. How <laughs> <laughs> personal. This message is for future Nate. It is from past Nate. It's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy, man. This character also marvels at time travel. Yeah, who wouldn't? Hi, future Nate. Drink some water. Plan a fun workout for today and picture a golden retriever puppy in a sky blue onesie. Thank you, Nate. Make sure you've sent in your application info for the Energy Science Master's Program and enjoy something buffalo chicken flavored. (gasps) This is what self-care looks like. I'm proud of you 
and Griffin and Rachel probably are too. That is correct. Yes, for sure. Specifically about, I'm going to hop in here in the middle of the show with a small wonder. Buffalo flavored stuff is the fucking best. Yeah? so, I didn't know that about you. Oh my God. I mean, buffalo wings I will eat like all day, every day, and then I'll miss i'll miss i'll skip the next day yeah i'll miss the next day but then the day after that i'll get back into buffalo wings town uh buffalo chicken dip is like great mm-hmm. like uh, pizza with like buffalo chicken that flavor that super salty spicy flavor like there's like crazy. a like a snap kitchen dish that you like with the buffalo there flavor is it's uh, i haven't had it in a while but it's like a hash with like mm-hmm. that that with uh, that and like a faux ranch dressing like a blue cheese sauce that goes in it it's real nice anyway uh (laughs) buffalo flavors is my first my my it's uh subsection b of my things this week way to go nate thanks nate this next message is for alex and michael it is from tasha dear alex and michael thanks for being the best roommates and D &D squad in all of beantown i can't wait for your wedding this summer and to meet your future dog Alex, soon we'll both be masters, and then you'll leave me in the dust to become doctor. I'm so proud of you. I love you. You're my wonderful thing every week. That is so sweet. And I also wonder if that one sentence was to meet your future dog. Your future dog, which is maybe referring to future Nate. I'm wondering if they're talking about this time traveler Nate. They both mention like master's programs. Yes. So I'm thinking that maybe Nate is... From the future, and hear me out. He's come back because the robots took all our buffalo sauce. But anyway, they're going to all hang out. This is a real Jumbotron friend connection, and I'm <laughs> ready for it. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. Can I hear your next thing? My second thing is the most controversial pick in wonderful <laughs> history. <laughs> the most unexpected, even by the person who picked it, pick of the 21st century. It's a song. It is a metal song. I need to step in here immediately and explain that I know nothing about metal. I do not care for it very much. Not a judgment of people who do. Are they it's, called songs? I don't even know. I think they're called movements. Okay. Um, I think they're called smashes. And I do not know anything about metal. And that is how I'm prefacing this. I am going to sound like a complete goofball for, to the max on this one. Uh, Because the song that I've picked is a song called Generation by a black metal band called Liturgy. Had to look up what that means. I did some research on this band. Black metal is, I guess, just wilder metal, just harder, (laughs) harder metal. I'm not sure like how you if there's a threshold that you cross over. Um, And so that is the name of this band is is Liturgy. Again, I don't know anything about this stuff, but here here I go. I've never owned like a metal album. It's just not my genre. I'm a gentle folk boy. And yet I really think that uh, Generation, this song by Liturgy is the slap uh absolutely uh they are an experimental rock band uh from new york city uh that formed back in 2008 and this song generations off their second studio album uh called aesthetica that came out in 2011 and if you can't tell from like the names of their songs and albums they they are very much a hipsters metal band i think uh and that's sort of the reputation they have apparently uh, a lot of people in the metal scene think that they're full of shit because of, well, specifically because their uh, like frontman wrote this treatise on metal uh-huh. uh, that was very sort of philosophical and very, uh, very like hoity-toity. It opened up with, uh, I, I, I loaded it up to take a look at it. Uh, it opened up with a word that they used instead of the word preface. 
Oh, okay. The treatise was called Transcendental Black Metal, A Vision of Apocalyptic Humanism. And it opens with a section called, and I'm going to butcher this, Prolog- Prolegomenon? Prolegomenon, which I guess is like an uh, archaic term that I guess means prologue. But uh, yeah, so they are they are that band. And I think a lot of people in the metal scene are not like so crazy about that. But I don't give a shit about that because I don't know anything about that scene. And I think that this song rules. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of it here in just a bit. Just to set it up, I was living in Chicago. Uh, my friend Jeremy, who I was living with, was was writing about music. Uh, still still does when was writing about, uh, I think was writing about this band. I don't know if he was reviewing it or what. Uh, and so I heard this song come from the other room and I was like, what's this beautiful sound? And he was like, this is this this is metal. And I was like, Oh shoot, do I like metal? And I listened to other metal and I was like, I don't, I just really like this song. Um, so here's a little bit of it. It's full blown warning. It is very powerful metal. So be prepared for that. Um, I, I sent this to Rachel earlier in the day and you made it about 30 seconds in, I yes. think, um, because it was so intense that your, you know, your bones started to come out. Yeah. And I said, Griffin, when do the lyrics start? And I said, they don't, here it is. <laughs> Yeah, there's no vocals in this one. You may also be wondering, where's the chorus? There's not really one of those in it either. Uh, you might be, oh, you're probably wondering, when are they going to play another chord? They really don't actually <laughs> play another chord the whole song. It's really just, this is sort of a, um, a tribute to the E power chord, just like uh, raising it raising it up on a pedestal and offering it up to the, to the gods of heavy metal because it's just that one E power chord for seven fucking minutes. Oh man, seven minutes. Uh, seven huh? minutes, and it does not stop. Uh, the the changes that it moves through like different sections that have like slightly different sort of like guitar patterns, um, and so you'll get like forty five seconds of like one pattern of just this fucking e power chord just like screaming into your face and then like it'll change a little bit but it's still an e power chord a lot of the work there that like sort of differentiates the different sections of the song comes from the drums this is from a pitchfork review of the track uh they said uh the charge here comes from drummer greg fox who explores the possibilities of his small kit letting the hi-hats rest letting them ring limiting the action mostly to his combat ready snares like with a pioneer's zeal it's like seven minutes of the introduction to the best rock and roll song you know that's very much much what yeah, this song is that's yeah that's how i could kind of see the appeal of it uh because it it does have that feeling yeah um i just i kept waiting for something significant to happen yes i think that i think that my introduction to this song was maybe the ideal introduction which was i heard it playing in another room and was like what the fuck is this yeah they're just doing that one chord non-stop and i think i was also sort of suspended in the torment of like my expectations <laughs> yeah. of what songs were uh but man when i need to get more powerful when i need to get strong when i'm like uh i listen to this song this is weird and it's also the truth I listen to this song a lot in the airport on my way home from travel. I am fucking bedraggled. I am tired. It is early. I'm at the airport and I put this song on and for seven minutes, I just get, (laughs) I get psyched out of my mind because this aggressive song is just like being just blasted at me. Uh, And it gets me so psyched and it's so weird because it's uh-huh. it, again it is not the kind of thing i usually go for uh but i think i think the song is like i think the song is exciting I think it is uh, sonically cool, and I also think it is mathematical in a way that I find very interesting yeah, and intriguing. I can see that. Uh, yeah, there's so much stuff that I really like about this song that, I, again, like I do not have the words to. I don't. I don't feel confident in my ability to talk about music on this show at all, despite the fact that we do it a lot. I do not like. I don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just think that uh, I think the song is really, really, really mm-hmm. cool. So that's Generation by Liturgy. You know, it's exciting to appreciate across genres of music. Yeah, trying out a new music style, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I support you in that. Thank you. I support whatever your next thing's going to be, so don't 
fuck it up. Oh, you'll support this, Griffin. Uh-oh. Do you want to take a drink while I tell you what it is? Am I going to spit stuff everywhere? Probably. It's the Wienermobile. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Just as a really quick aside, in the latest Adventure Zone, I don't know if you're listening to it, but Dad plays this character who's like a driver of a car, and he lost his car and wanted to get a new one. Uh-huh. He sent me a text the morning we were going to record, and he was like, what if my new car is the Wienermobile? And I was like, <laughs> Mac, you do some stuff to like really stretch the old like narrative, like logical leaps. But like, that seems like a lot. Sometimes but. I think he thinks of the potential resulting animations as he like sits <laughs> yeah, down and yeah, brainstorms. So. Oh, the Wienermobile. Mm-hmm. The Wienermobile. What a treat. I have so many fucking questions about the Wienermobile. What a treat it is to see this thing out in the wild. Have you had that experience? Oh my God, yes. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Huntington, West Virginia, which has a literal hot dog festival. Oh, good point. Yeah, like the Wienermobile got action out there. What is there just the one? How many? Oh, Griffin, I have so much. That's what I made. Start talking. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Do you want to know the history of the Wienermobile, or are you just too anxious to get to the today's? Give me, give me me a history because I'm. I don't know why this this Wiener company had their own car. In 1936, Carl. Meyer, the nephew of Oscar Meyer, suggested a marketing idea to his uncle, build a 13-foot-long mobile hot dog and cruise around the Chicago area. He was high on whatever people were getting (laughs) high on in the 1930s. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, obviously took off from there. Yeah. Uh, just recently in 2016, they celebrated the 80th anniversary of the Wienermobile. We got to we got to go back. We got to stop. We got to rewind. Can you, (laughs) I want you to put your shoes in the closet and then put on the shoes of a person living in the 1930s and you're standing Uh on the street. Things are probably pretty tough. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when World War II happened, but I feel like it was sort of around then. Uh-huh. It was probably coming off the heels of the Depression. Well, which again, and so there I was a time period yeah. where the Wienermobile went away. Yeah, they scrapped uh, it. To, just because it wasn't economical for the time period. for metal that they turned into a like a, a fighter plane yes. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, okay, you're on the streets and you're a 1930s person and a mm-hmm. big 13-foot hot dog car drives by. I want to hear your, what's, the, what's your, how many people just straight up died on their feet <laughs> looking like oh uh is the crossing guard telling us to go okay hey what's that over the uh, just dead because you just yeah. saw a big 13 foot hot dog car yeah i mean there's nothing in your life to prepare you for that my 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 brain would sh- the lobes would separate and i would just have full instantly experience full body death mm-hmm. uh so the reason that i'm familiar with the wienermobile yeah uh is can i guess <laughs> Well, it's twofold. Yeah. Uh, one, my my maiden name is Weiner, uh, W-E-I. I like to distinguish. Yeah. Um, often it was pronounced incorrectly. Uh-huh. Um, associated with this hot dog opportunity. <laughs> Probably, actually, I'm going to guess that a lot of times when people mispronounced it, the thing they associated with wasn't a hot dog. I imagine it was like a mean, yeah. like a mean pee, like yeah. a pee-pee thing. Like a pee-pee thing. Yes. Uh, Kids are disgusting. You know they called me? Griffin Macaroni. Ugh. Oh, God, that must have been so terrible for you, Griffin. Gryffindor Macaroni. Oh. Put yourself in the fucking garbage can with that shit. Can I tell you something that is an adorable nickname and I love it? Uh-huh. Wiener did not serve me in quite such an adorable way. But there was a period of time in my late teens when I kind of reclaimed it. Yeah. Let's say. Sure. uh, And I kind of got excited about the opportunity to be around the Wienermobile because I, I always wanted to have like a picture in front of it. Like my mom and I used to talk about how we get like a family Christmas card in front of the Wienermobile. And it never happened, unfortunately. Uh, But part of the reason that I got to see it more frequently is the whole driver program for the Wienermobile really circulates around college campuses. Huh. So in 1988, Oscar Mayer launched what they called the Hot Dogger Program, where they encouraged recent college graduates to drive the Wienermobile. And so the company receives between 1,000 and 1,500 applications for the 12 available positions annually. Uh, and it's mostly recent college graduates who are looking for like a road trip 
opportunity. That's re- that's mm-hmm. amazing. That's very cool. Does the car does the car have hot dogs in it? Do they like give out hot dogs? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's how it started. I don't know if they do it today. Today, it's like typically focused on what they call wiener whistles, which are like those right. little plastic I had whistles. One of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I definitely had some FaceTime with this thing because I definitely had a wiener whistle growing up. So the drivers are called hot doggers. Okay. Uh, and those selected are given 40 hours of instruction and assigned a different U.S. region. Like, uh, was there probably an Appalachian one? Is that the one that I experienced? How I big is the region? So. I mean, I don't know the size of I'm the just region. Saying, I feel like I saw this thing a lot. <laughs> so if it was just like East Coast. I then like have a map of the territories in my hand right now. So there's some vernacular associated with the Wienermobile that I th- really appreciated and I think you might enjoy. I already mentioned the hot dogger. Right. People uh, travel in pairs when they do the Wienermobile. Uh, and they and they do that because they want somebody to obviously drive the vehicle and they want somebody to, you know, keep an eye on the road and wave at passengers. <laughs> to man the wave, turret on top of the hot dog. Wave at passerbys. This position is known as riding shot bun. <laughs> Not the best. Damn it. Isn't that the absolute best? Man, that's good. And people in that position are like required to wave. The idea is that their role is to be like an ambassador as they're like driving around. I like that less. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) I still enjoy it. Um, Now, this I don't know if this is just taking liberties in the article that I was reading. Uh, They talk about uh, fans who are invited to board uh, are encouraged to fasten their meat belts Okay, I feel like this article yeah. is starting to just make shit up. Uh, the decor, though, is is decorated as if the uh, upholstery looks as if it has ketchup and mustard all over it. Okay. Well, that's good uh, if you do make a mess. There are six seats inside, and occupants are invited to wave from the bun roof. Well, hold on. There are six seats inside? Are mm-hmm. people being, I think it's set up being, kind of like a limousine. Sure. Are people being... I thought of the I thought of it being sort of like the bookmobile or the bloodmobile. <laughs> no, if you think about it as a recruiting tool, like when it went to campuses, they would like set up shop and invite well, people. Well, this to sounds like, very cult like now. Like come get and in, learn. Jump in the thirteen foot hot dog and stra- we're going to take you s- I don't like the idea of getting in the Wienermobile and being taken somewhere else. Oh, sweetheart, it's bigger than thirteen feet now. Oh damn. <laughs> In 1995, the Wienermobile grew in size to 27 feet long and 11 feet high. (laughs) Oh, shit. Today's Wienermobile has a voice-activated GPS, a audio center with a wireless mic, and a horn that plays the Wiener jingle in 21 different genres from Cajun to rap to bossa nova. I bet that rap version's really good. (laughs) I bet it's really very good, huh? So let me tell you about the fleet. Do you, you asked yes, if there yes, were multiple yes, yes. vehicles. Many, many I mentioned there are multiple regions. Uh, the fleet is six Wienermobiles. Okay. All right. So these, t- these territories are quite large then. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 2017, they added additional vehicles, including a Wiener Rover, a Wiener Mini, Ugh. a Wiener Cycle, which is like a motorcycle. Stop. And a Wiener Drone. A wiener dr- Stop, stop. I don't want any... Throw those away. <laughs> Mulch those. I don't want to see a fucking... If I see a hot dog motorcycle drive by me, like, I'll, I won't even think twice. It won't even register to me that it's something uncommon. I need to see that proud 27 foot... 27 feet. That is such a big fucking car. Mm-hmm. That is a big boy car for big boys, I feel like. See, that is... I feel like that is the the one that I am familiar with. Like, that's the one I think of is the 27 oh, foot long. Not the wiener drone. You don't think of the wiener drone and think back <laughs> fondly. Um, <laughs> not yet, but who knows, man? Who knows? 80 years this has been around. Who mm. knows what innovations are to come? I only, the only innovations I'm interested in is a bigger wiener mobile. I don't want fucking a fleet of wiener drones flying through, unless it's at a <laughs> ballpark and each one contains five hot dogs that it would drop down mm. into my awaiting hands. God, I love hot dogs. I know. I would eat a hot dog. We just ate dinner. I would eat a hot dog right now. I know, me too. No, I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about McDonald's hot dog, like McDonald's bratwurst when they did that. Oh, I don't remember that at all. 
I watched a YouTube video about like things McDonald's tried and immediately <laughs> like canceled, including their their beloved pizzas uh, and their weird like chili Philly cheesesteak like rectangular. I don't remember sandwich. any of this. I'm pretty sure this may have been a Huntington specific opportunity. I, I think we got a lot of like test market stuff, but they had bratwurst, and I swear to God, it was really good. It was really good. It's probably something like Johnsonville. I doubt that they were like encasing their own meats. But I got the craziest craving for those. I would eat any hot dog right now. I want the Wienermobile to smash in through that fucking through the wall of our house. I would pay for the I would pay for repairs if the if the Wienermobile just smashed into our front our front door. So hey, those of you that are graduating this spring and are looking for a really awesome road trip. Yeah. Come smash in my house. Yeah. With your with your twenty seven foot proud wiener car. That's so big. Uh-huh. If that thing, like... That's why they get 40 hours of instruction to drive this thing. Like, I can't imagine. I would want, actually, I need them to have more. That is that is a th- almost a three-story long hot dog car. I don't want them making a fucking right turn until mm. they've had 80 hours. <laughs> uh, hey, can I tell you what our friends at home are excited about this week? Yes. Oh, and hey, by the way, yeah. if you want to email us with things you're excited about, what's that email address? It's wonderfulpodcast at gmail.com. Do you remember what our P.O. box is? I do not know. Well, then I'm going to read the submissions. And then while you talk about other stuff after that, I'm going to find what our P.O. box is. So okay. hang in there, everybody. First submission is from Ashley, who says, I open a lot of tabs in Google Chrome while I'm at work. It's a web browser, my preferred web browser. Uh, and it's incredibly satisfying to say, I no longer need this tab and close it, making all the other tabs bigger in the bar uh, at the top of the screen. It feels like I'm decluttering my brain as I close the information pathways I no longer need open. This is just Marie Kondo for your web browser. I love this. I actually never have more than like four or five tabs open oh at a time. I know that you really go for it. I try not to. My problem is I have multiple windows open because I have a dual monitor set up. So I will have like unconsciously like five different like instances of Google Chrome being open. It's not <laughs> ideal. Here's one from Robin who says, I love my job. I'm a blacksmith. I get paid to burn things and swing heavy hammers. It fucking rules. I can't help but agree on that one. That is a good, that's a good job, I feel like. The only time I ever had like face-to-face time with a blacksmith was at the old uh, Universal Studios Islands of Adventure, like fantasy, t- not fantasy town, like, yeah, I guess kind of like medieval town. Uh, and there was a blacksmith there who was like making like armor, but he was also making coins. And I got one of the coins and I thought it was the coolest shit ever. <laughs> That park is cool as shit. I want to go back there but and go to the Harry Potter one. I want to get the wand from Ollivander. Oh, I want to be the gosh. little boy who gets picked for that experience. Charlie got to do that experience. And she's 27 <laughs> years younger than me. That doesn't seem fair, does it? <laughs> Here's one from Lena who says, I love using wooden utensils while I'm cooking. They can't melt on hot pans. This is a very good one that I wish I'd been keyed into a little bit uh, yeah. earlier in my cooking career. I this is, I got Griffin a set of wood utensils uh, for this reason. It's true. Uh, they have a strange flavor to them that I'm still trying to wash out. I'm very excited to use them once they <laughs> sort of very spicy. It's, they have like a spice. It tastes like cinnamon almost. I'm trying to get rid of that because it's, it's hard to taste the food that I'm cooking and get that powerful cinnamon. But they're beautiful tools. But I used to like cook with, I used to cook everything with a fucking metal spatula. And now I realize yeah. how very foolish that was. Uh, yeah, get you some good wooden utensils. Um, hey, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Rachel's going to talk about Maximum Fun at length right now. So if you like our podcast, there is a good chance you will like other podcasts on the Maximum Fun Network. If you go to MaximumFun.org, you can see all sorts of great podcasts, uh, comedy podcasts, podcasts about movies, about dogs about parenting uh there's a tremendous amount I found of opportunities it. hey max fun's there. great i found it okay go ahead. thanks max fun maximumfun.org check it all out we have this website's mcelroy.family anyway uh, if you want to send us stuff it's p.o box 26038 austin texas 78755 we should mention that we are really only going to check that about once a month so please don't send anything perishable yeah please don't <laughs> um and also don't send any trash or horse magazines i swear to god uh wick habit 
Oh, yes. Uh, so Erica Huff is a listener of the show. Occasionally, she will create show-inspired candles and then sell them and give some of the proceeds to charity. Uh, right now, if you search for Wick Habit, uh, you will find her shop, and she has a candle called Rachel's Poetry Corner. It's very... Uh, and she is giving 50% to Bookspring, which is a Austin-based nonprofit that provides different programs and books to young children. I was about to jump in and say it smells very good. I don't know. It's a web. <laughs> it's on a picture. I saw a picture on a website. We have not smelled it yet, but the, the scents in the description are all things that we like. Yeah. The, the ingredients. Are they called ingredients if it's a candle? No one's quite sure. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode. I thought it might be fun to like wrap up if the two of us did uh, like an acapella version of the heavy metal song that I no. brought earlier. So I'll count us in. You ready? One, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 uh, MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey, it's Jesse, the host of Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. I'm coming to Portland, Oregon. We're going to be doing a very special live episode of Bullseye, my NPR interview show. It's taking place Friday, February 15th at Revolution Hall. What are you going to see if you go to Portland, Oregon to see this show. You will see me live on stage talking with folks like Corin Tucker from Slater Kinney, director Lance Bangs, writer Bill Oakley, Simpsons legend. Uh, we will also have live music from Roseblood and live comedy from Katie Wen. It's going to be a blast and a half. It's also part of a big podcast festival called Listen Up Portland. Tons of other great podcasts are playing at it too. Our pals, the Doughboys, among others. So again, that's Friday, February 15th at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, 7 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at listenupportland.com. And thanks. Thanks.